seated, and we'll take our Bibles today to Psalm 139, Psalm 139, and we're probably going to be in this passage for the next three weeks. Psalm 139 is a wonderful passage, and David wrote many wonderful passages, but this is another one of those wonderful passages. I want to give you a little warning before we get to the message this morning. The topic today is heavy. And I'm going to be talking about some things that are real heavy. I've got two videos that I'm going to play for you in the service today. I don't normally show a lot of videos in church, but I believe that these videos are important, but they're heavy. They're not, I could go way worse, and I didn't. I was debating and praying about, do we continue on our series on the attributes of God, or do we move on to something around thankfulness, leading up to thanksgiving? And the Lord really laid on my heart to keep going on the attributes of God, and so that's where we're going to stay we're talking about God today as, our, as the creator, our creator God, creator of life. I heard an oxymoron this last week, and I want you to understand something this morning. My message is not political. My message is biblical. It's a big difference in the two. But this was the oxymoron, oxymoron I heard last week. Pro-life pastors for Biden. Pro-life pastors for Biden. You cannot tell me, and I'm being careful how I word this. At last service, I had to be careful. You cannot tell me you're pro-life and vote for someone who's very strong on abortion. The problem is we have a problem in our society today when it comes to abortion. And we're going to talk about that today. I think that this is a very divisive subject. We look in our country today, and just this past couple weeks, they've been trying to get a, a Supreme Court justice in. You have those on one side saying, it shouldn't be done now. And they would have done the same exact same thing if they controlled Congress and the presidency. So they can't play those games. And one thing we got to remember, and this has nothing to do with the message this morning, but if you're watching online or you're here, we don't want Supreme Court justices that are going to view things the way we do. We want justices in there that will stand for the Constitution and what it says. That's what we want. When we politicize the Supreme Court, the checks and balances our founders put in place are done. I don't want someone who is going to push their beliefs, even though I'd love, I would love my beliefs pushed on everyone, because most of them are biblical. But that's not how it's supposed to be. The Supreme Court is supposed to be able to look at cases and not be biased on anything, look at what the Constitution says, and make sure that though. And we've gotten to the point to where legislation's coming out of the Supreme Court. And it was never intended to do that. The Supreme Court should not be able to decide if marriage is between a man and a woman, or a man and a man, or a woman and a woman. That's not their job. Their job is to look at the Constitution, and that's why we have the House and Senate. It's their job to come up with a law. Oh, I'm giving you a history lesson today, a government lesson. Most people don't know this stuff. It's just like our state of California. We have a one-man rule right now, and that's not how our state constitution was set up. That's why we have a House and a Senate in California, and it's their job to write legislation, not a one-man rule. Because when we have a one-man rule, we turn into a dictatorship is what we turn into. And you need the three branches of government working together, but separate. And that's very important. I could give you a lot more on that, but that's all I'll say. When it comes to abortion, what does the Bible say? What's God's opinion? That's what matters. It doesn't matter what our opinion might be. It matters what God's opinion is. Our world doesn't get it. And you got to understand something. I don't fault them for not getting it. They're the world. They're in darkness. And is anyone warm this morning or is it just me? It feels kind of stuffy. Is anyone stuffy in here? I think it's a little stuffy. We'll just make the air float around a little bit. Get all those germs floating in the air a little bit better. Not just stagnant in one place. Keep them moving all around. We talk about a pandemic when it comes to COVID. In all honesty, it's tragic that anyone dies from COVID. How many have really died from COVID? That's a good question. 
you know, I read a statistic last week from the CDC, and I, it comes from them, that 418,000 die in the U.S. of cigarette smoking every year. COVID's not going to reach that number by the end of the year. So why don't we quit selling cigarettes? Or why don't we stop selling alcohol? Imagine all the abusive situations we could do away with. All the drunk driving. We have a real problem in our world and in America. It's called abortion. Millions of babies being killed. The question is, and what it comes down to is, when does life begin? Our world would say that a fetus, that that inside of a mother's womb, is not a living child. And our world has not read the Bible. You see, this morning, I'm not after you, and I'm not saying you need to vote Trump or Biden. I'm not going there. What I'm saying is, if you call yourself pro-life, then you better understand what pro-life is. And if you are a Christian and you support abortion, shame on you. Say, that's a tough thing to say. It is a tough thing to say. But I'll stand with God on that one. And if I step on your toes a little bit with it, I'm sorry to upset you a little bit, but I'd rather go with God and be on God's side. At the end of the day, whoever's elected in 10 days from now, God is still on the throne. And Christian, you need to remember something as well. I've heard so many Christians, it's all over if Trump doesn't win. Think back to Jesus' day. Rome, Caesar, Caesar Augustus, Herod, Pilate, Biden. I don't know, you know, where do you go with all that? But let me just say this. It's not God still in control. And it doesn't matter who's the president of the United States because the king of kings is still on the throne. We live in a wonderful state with a wonderful governor, but God's still in control of it all. We will live and keep going on no matter who's wherever they are. Might things get a little tougher on us? Sure. But then it's time for Christians to, we all talk a good talk. I remember before COVID hit, bless God, if they ever tell us to keep our churches closed, we're going to have church. Churches everywhere say that. And still a lot of them aren't open. And I'm not against the church that got to figure out for themselves, but the church I know not too far away, they only, they're only doing outdoors. And if people want to do it outdoors, they do it however they want to. Just have church. But it's sprinkling out, so we canceled church this morning. We need church more now than ever. My topic's not political today. It's biblical. You're going to see some things in a few minutes that's going to put it into your mind. And then we're going to be in Psalms 139 to tie it all together. And as I was studying for this message here, I've read Psalms 139 over and over again. Brother Jay and I were talking about it here this morning. But I didn't realize that some of the words, what they meant in Hebrew. And you're going to see in a few minutes how, how it perfectly explains God forming and having an intricate part from the womb and how he played a role in all of those things. I want to give you a few opening thoughts this morning, and we'll dive in. My summary, the purpose of my sermon this morning is threefold. Number one is to declare a biblical basis for our God as our creator, to help us to gain courage to do what's right, and to motivate you to be involved in standing for what's right. We think about it, this topic of abortion is probably the most divisive thing we've had in our nation since slavery, going back to the 1860s. And there's so many, so, and even you, we hear, if that Supreme Court justice gets in, they could overturn Roe versus Wade. We're sinning against God by killing life and saying it's okay and putting our stamp of approval on it. Life is precious. Say, so why is life precious? Because God offers life. Point number one this morning in my introduction, life is created by God. I don't think any Christian in this room would have a problem with that. Life is created 
by God. Genesis 1, verse number 26. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. The Bible talks about how God breathed life into man and man became a living soul. God did that. God created life. Number two, life is protected by God. Life is protected by God. Job 10, verse number 12, Thou hast granted me life and favor, and thy visitation hath preserved my spirit. You know, Christian, one of the things you've got to remember, all this world tries to breathe at you right now is fear. We heard a debate a few days ago. Someone said, we have to learn to live with COVID and go on with our lives. The other one said, what COVID is killing people. Fear, you got to understand, Christian, be careful of the things that you do. Those of you with, that are elderly, those of you with situations, be very careful, okay? I don't, here in church, I give you the choice. You want to wear a mask, you wear it. You don't want to wear it, that's up to you. I don't feel it's my job to police you and to order you to do anything. You're an adult, you can figure out for yourself what you do. And if someone wants to wear one, do it. Whatever is best for you, you do what's best for you. you like I will go around, I'll go around and shake people's hands. If they want to shake my hand, I wait to see them reach out their hand first. I'll shake anybody's hand. I'll give you a hug if you want. I'm fine with that. But if you, you're not comfortable with that, I'm fine with an elbow bump, a fist bump, whatever you want. But you got to realize something. At the end of the day, you're not going to save one more day to your life or add one more day to your life or take away because God knows when the time is. I had, at the beginning of the year, I started losing weight, down about 90 pounds, and I had several people say, well, pastor, you're going to live longer. No, losing the weight isn't going to help me live longer, but I hope it helps my quality of life be better. But I'm not going to live longer because of it, because God's in eternity, and he knows when my time is up. And as a Christian, we don't need to fear. I shall not, the Bible says, the Lord is on my side, I will not fear what man can do unto me. We just trust in God. Keep our trust in Him. Be careful and have your precautions in place, but realize God's going to take you when it's time. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. Can't add one day, can't take away one day. It's going to be just what the Lord wants it to be. And then, point number three as we dive in today life is valued by God. Isaiah 49, verse 16 Behold, I, was gra- I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. God, God's greatest creation of all the things that he made, the thing that he values the most is life. At the heart of the abortion issue rests one single question. Is abortion a form of murder? According to abortion proponents, a preborn baby is not considered a living, a living human person. Almost universally, those who favor abortion rights believe that what is aborted is something less than a human. Most of those who are for abortion would agree that murder is wrong. They just don't think the destruction and removal of a fetus is murder. Chuck Swindoll said this, he said, the most dangerous place to be in America is not in the inner city, but in the womb of a mother. Got two videos for us to watch this morning for you, third term. And you have someone running for president and their vice president's all for a third term abortion. And Christians say that that's okay. It's not. It's not okay. It's not. It's murder. It's wrong. And I tell you all that, we're going to see what God has to say about it today. We're going to look at his word and see his thoughts on the subject. And that's heavy. I don't normally show videos like that in church. But I think a video like that was good for us to see because it matters. 
Don't say you're pro, you know, this is our thing, pro-life, pro-choice. You know, I am all for choice. Before you do anything that leads to children coming, don't do it. There you go. That's brilliance right there. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, that, that, that's the choice you got. And people say, oh, what if, what if there's a decision between the baby and the mother? You and God can figure that one out. And if you decide I, there are risks with that, you do what God leads you to do. I'm not talking about that today. I've heard of those who say, well, what if, what if a girl was raped? That happens. Should she have the baby or not? If life is there, we should not kill life. But what they like you to know is they want you to think that that's how every single one is. And that's the rare exception to it. Most of the time, they're just not wanted. We live in a wicked world. We look at this topic today. I want to have a word of prayer. And we'll dive in a little deeper today. Father, we're grateful for your love. And you already know I've preached once this morning on this topic, and we're here again in this service. I need your help. I want your words to flow and what you would have said, said. Let's pray that you'd guide and bless. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to give you some scripture as we dive in today about biblical arguments for viewing the fetus as fully human to begin with today. First thing we see is that preborn babies are called children in the Bible, or a babe. We think of, in Luke chapter number 1, verse number 41, it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her. John the Baptist, he jumped for joy to hear that Jesus was coming. And you know, that's a scientific fact that children in the womb can hear. And this is what happened here. The babe, the child, doesn't say the fetus or the non-life. It says the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Keep on going there. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe, the child, leaped in my womb for joy. We see that um, Christ was fully human from the point of conception. The Bible tells us in Matthew 1, verse 20 and 21, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. We also think about the fact that the life of the preborn is protected by the same punishment for injury or death as if it were an adult. That's God's law for his children. Exodus chapter number 21, verse 22 and 23. The Bible tells us, it says, If men strive and hurt a woman with child, She's pregnant, okay, with child, not a fetus, not a non-life form with child, so that her fruit depart from her, and yet no mischief follow. He shall be pun- he shall surely be pun- he sh- he shall be surely punished, according as the woman's husband will lay upon him, and if he pay as the judge determines, if any mischief follow, then shalt thou give life for life. I think God calls it life right there. I think that's what you see right before our eyes. We see that children, before they're born, they were shapen in iniquity. The Bible tells us in, in the propensity to sin. In Psalm 51.5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Personal pronouns were used for babies to describe preborn children. The book of Jeremiah, verse one, chapter 1, verse 5, Behold, I formed thee in the belly. I knew thee. And if some of you old English isn't too good for you, I formed you 
in the belly. I knew you. And before you came us forth out of the womb, I sanctified you. And I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. See? Before, before, before they're conceived, or before they're born, there's life. The preborn are called by God before birth. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 49.1, Listen, O isles, unto me, and hearken ye people from far. The Lord hath called me from the womb, from the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. And then we get to our text today, and we see that the preborn are created by God. The Bible tells us in Psalm 139, verse 13, for thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. And then, this is what I love, and we'll look detail at this in a minute. The preborn are known intimately and personally by God. Look at verse 15 and 16 of our text here. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. As we get here today, and as we see David pin these words for us, with the help of God this morning, and back in the Bible days there were no ultrasounds. I still remember back in 2010, the end, towards the end of the year, or middle of the year, somewhere in that time, when we found out, when Caroline told me we're pregnant. She's actually pregnant, but it's a team effort, right? Ladies don't understand how tough it is on the husband. Yeah, don't roll your eyes at me when I say that. But we go to, in to get this ultrasound down, done, and they're like, um, your baby's about six weeks old right now with a grain of rice. You want to hear your baby's heartbeat? There's a heartbeat at six weeks? That is life. And a noise and a sound I will never forget, and it was special with all four of our children, but really that first time you hear it, just something that you'll never forget. And they put the little thing on Caroline's stomach and... David's day, there were no ultrasounds to see those things. But if there was God's ultrasound on how babies are formed, this passage right here that David pinned for us explains all of it to us. I want to give you a closer look at that and look at how intimately God is involved in every life. We read verse number 13 again says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Something you got to realize is the word for begins verse number 13. What that's telling is it's a, it goes on from verse number 12. So let's look back at verse number 12 to get a fuller context here. It says, Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. And one of the things that you'll notice through this passage and as we go the next couple of weeks Verse 1 through 6 talks about how God knows his omniscience and how he knows everything. Verse 7 through verse number 12 talks about how he's everywhere. He's omnipresent. So then verse number 12 is continuing and finishing up is telling us how God is everywhere. And then it goes into detail about how he's in the womb and intricately pieces together and makes everybody who they are uniquely and the process God plays in the role of a child. People have this thought, how do you get a baby? It takes a man and a woman, and they create it. The seed is planted. But God does all the designing on the inside. And we're going to look at that very in detail here in the next few minutes. We look at verse number 13 right there. It says, for thou. Who's the thou? It's God. The creator, the creator of the universe, the creator of life. We're viewing God as the creator today. It says, God, you created. There's no one else. God's the creator. 
And he's unlimited in his creative power. Do you realize no one has the same fingerprints? Every design of God is a unique design. Every single one. There is no one in the world quite like you. And thank God there's not more than one of you this morning. As we look at this, God is intimately involved with us because he made us. It's that simple. His constant interest in us is simple, simply the natural interest that a maker has in what they make. You think about it, you make something and you, you come up with a design of something. That's your baby. You're going to keep an eye on that thing and you're going to make sure that it's done well and all these different things. You're going to keep, and that's what God does. God designs us. In the womb, he puts, he pieces it together, designs your nose, designs your arms, designs your feet, designs your head, all of those things. And as we look at this, as David saw this, he says, you notice how he says, you possess my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. And there's no doubt about it that David believed that he was a real person in the womb of his mother. And may I just add, all scriptures given by inspiration of God. So this is just not David's perspective of it. This is God's thoughts on the subject. As David is thinking about this and thinks about how God was involved in all these things and how God created him, what does he do in verse number 14? I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well as David thinks about God creating him and how God did all the work that he did. What does David do? David praises him. To think that God puts together our bones, our arteries, our muscles, everything woven together into a beautiful tapestry. As we look at this here, and at the end of that, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb, possessed my reins. It has the idea of protection, and it just shows how precious the preborn is to God. And David says, because of that, how can I stop? I've got to praise him. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Let me just put a little plug in right here, and this is part of my message. We live in a world where people make fun of people a lot. You're a creation of God. And yes, maybe we could eat a little less or eat a little more. We could, you know, there's some little things that we can do here or there. But you have no right to make fun of someone how they are. The color of their skin, the size that they are, their disabilities. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God made you, you. He gave you the body you have. But I don't like it. Think about that person. We live in a world today, and I'm, I'm not trying to get off on things, but plastic surgery is a really big thing. And sometimes after an injury or something, you might need it. But if you're just trying to change the way you look, you're changing the way your creator made you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. And David says, I'm going to praise you because of that. And when you stop to think about all the care that God puts in place, it makes you think about those things. Friends, when we recognize God as the creator of all things, especially of human life, praise is always the proper response. When you think about how a body works, and I don't have all the science, history was my thing, science was not my thing. Well, I love science too. But if you were just to take the time to think of what goes into play inside your body, just to move your finger up and down, it's an amazing process. To walk, to think, your heart just beats. A body is an amazing, complex thing that God put together. And David's like, wow. Fearfully and wonderfully, you're, you're awesome, God. David's response. Now, as we continue on, and when we think about 
And the Bible prods us to consider the origin of human life as God sees it and to worship him for what he's done in the womb. And you got to understand something. We must, if we believe that God creates life, then we must respond very cautiously and unwavering for preborn, for preborn children. You see, when God declares that we're created in his image, his stamp of approval is on every human being. Let me just put it this way. God doesn't make junk. He doesn't. God places a high value on human life because we reflect his character at times very vaguely, and we could talk about that for a while. But all of life is sacred and worthy of respect because human life reflects the image of our holy, majestic, and creative God. Now, verse 15 and 16, there's so much deep stuff right here. I'm just going to give you a little bit right here. My substance was not hid from me when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest part of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. We look at those verses and we see how God, how he worked from the very beginning. Look there at verse 15. Think about this. The same God whose eye is on the sparrow also keeps an eye on every human life that is developing and growing. You'll notice in verse 15, and curiously wrought. We don't use that word wrought a lot today, but that word means embroidered. God makes us according to his plan. He makes all the parts fit together just right so they support one another. And because he is the divine embroiderer, we are intricate and intricate and complex, reflecting his beauty, and therefore special and precious in his sight. He pieces it all together. You know, in the womb, you saw from a very early age, those babies have hands. God designs all that in the womb pieces it together. And look at verse 16. I'd never noticed this before. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. Now, when I think of unperfect, I think of not complete, right? Well, the word unperfect here, the Hebrew word that's used here, means embryo. It's literally what it's saying there. So thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. So God is able to watch his creation develop and grow in the womb. That's what this is saying right here. David recounts the fact that God created him with purpose, and in God's book, all of his members were written, which were in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. When God saw the embryo, the beginning of King David, God had all the plans and knew everything that David was going to do with his life. And God fashioned him knowing everything. That's powerful. That's, that's our God. And that's the next verse says, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. We keep on going with those verses. But you realize something, God just didn't ordain our DNA. He ordained our days. It's as if he's a divine day timer into which he pre-records each day of our life before we began to breathe. So we're created in his image and we're called by God to reflect that image every day of our lives. Knowing that God ordains our days, I want to give you two thoughts on that. And we're going to move on to the end of the message here. But number one, God made us just the way he wants us to be. There are no mistakes. 
I remember they asked us with our children. They wanted to do a certain blood test or a certain scan to see if our children had any disabilities. And a lot of people at that time will decide not to have their children with their disabilities. And you say, well, you've got to understand, God made them the way they are. Last service, Brother Jay, he leads our singing. And he was and their son, JJ, he's 23, 24 years old, really, really strong autism. He has the mind of a four or five-year-old. Jay's wife got to sit in service six minutes today before he walked out. But J.J. was made just how God wanted him to be. It was not a mistake. That was God's design. And why would God do that? Because it's okay for him to do that. Why is someone born with Down syndrome? God has a plan for them. And they were made just how God wanted them to be. It's not our job to decide what lives and what doesn't. God is the author of life, not us. And God made us just the way he wanted us to be. And number two, God has a personalized plan for each of us that reflects who he made us to be. That's why the Bible tells us, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God hath before ordained, before we were ever born, that we should walk in them in Ephesians 2.10. When we look at the Bible, we look at Psalm 139, and we look at the other verses that we've looked at this morning, we've seen medical evidence in videos, we've seen biblical evidence before our eyes, the conclusion is obvious. Human life is sacred, and it's full of dignity. And as such, it is wrong to murder an innocent life in the womb. It's murder, it's wrong, and should not happen. To kill someone created in the image of God is to indirectly attack the God who created life. Abortion must be defined as the destruction of human life in violation of the sixth commandment of God, thou shalt not kill. And it's a shame for Christians not to stand on the subject where God stands on the subject. This world can do what this world wants to do, and this world's not going to understand it. And we cannot, you cannot expect the world to understand it. They live in darkness, okay? Sometimes it's like we expect the world to be better than what they are. Why? Why do you expect them to be better than what they are? They don't get it. My problem is I expect Christians to be better than what they are and their knowledge of things because you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. We should know better as Christians. That being said, I want to give you a couple closing thoughts. Those two videos I showed you today, I could have showed you much worse and showed you actual footage of baby parts. There's a, uh, there's a movie that came out last year about the lady from Planned Parenthood. Is anybody unborn? What's un, unplanned? I think every Christian should take the time and watch it. And you will cry through it. I did. I didn't tear up today looking at the videos today because I've seen them over and over again to compose myself for today. But that's what happens to us. It's just a natural occurrence. It's no big deal. No, every single time. And maybe it doesn't get to where they use a suction on them, but they take the morning after pill. There's life. And you're drying up, sucking out that life. And it's murder, and it's wrong. My closing thoughts, and we'll be done this morning. Number one is this. If we say that we're pro-life, we must strive for consistency. We must strive for consistency. We need to value all human life. The preborn, orphans, widows, the physically and emotionally challenged, the homeless, all life. You know, that's where, and this, take the statement as you want, we hear this term right now, there, you have these groups, Black Lives Matter. 
if black lives truly matter, are you ready? Then Black Lives Matter movement would be against Planned Parenthood. Because the biggest driving force in our black communities that's destroying our black communities are the Planned Parenthood clinics they they put in every downtown area to those most vulnerable, and they put them there, and there are more black children aborted than any other children in America. So if black lives matter, be consistent then. Then not only those who the cops get to, as they like to claim. You know, I got a simple thing, everyone. Everyone sitting in this room. You get pulled over. Keep your hands on the steering wheel until the officer gets to your window. Be respectful. When the window comes down and they're there, you're going to reach for your wallet or whatever. Tell them what you're reaching for. I hear only the only black people have to tell their kids that. Everyone should tell their kids that. My dad told me. Everyone should know that. Okay, you be respectful. I'm, uh, I'm training and I'm going to be a police chap- chaplain for our city. So I've done some ride-alongs. Imagine living their lives. And I get there are some bad ones out there, but they're, they're bad pastors out there. They're bad. Every, everyone, there are bad apples all over the place. But imagine going up to someone's car and they reach down to grab something. It's, it's a dangerous job. So just be respectful and just do things. It's not that difficult. You know, you hear, I can't even wear a hood outside. Then just don't wear your hood then. I don't know. Just be. Just, anyways, we'll leave that there. I don't want to go any deeper. But we need to be consistent. So if Black Lives Matters, then the Black Lives Movement needs to be against Planned Parenthood. And until they do that, I'm not going to listen to much of what they say, if anything. Because all lives matter. Every black life matters. Every Asian life matters. Every life matters. Period. All life. Number two. Actually, let's stay on that one there for a second. I want to give you a, uh, a well-known prof- a professor at a well-known medical school once proposed a medical situation to his students. I want to give you this thing and let you hear it. So here is the thing. Here's the family history. The father has syphilis. The mother has TB. They already have four children. The first is blind. The second one died. The third one is deaf. And the fourth child has TB. Now the mother is pregnant again. The parent comes to you for advice, and they're willing to have an abortion if you think they should. What do you say? The students gave various individual options, and then the professor asked them to break into small groups for some consultation. All the groups came back to report that they would all recommend abortion, to which the professor responded, congratulations, you just ordered the murder of Beethoven. If you say you're pro-life, we must strive for consistency. Number two, we need to watch our attitudes. We people of God need to watch our attitudes. You say, what do you mean by that, pastor? Let's remember something. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, against powers, against principalities. Satan is the enemy of life. Let me repeat to you again. Satan is the enemy of life. Not doctors, not the women in favor of abortions, not politicians, very easy for us to become self-condemning and self-righteous and condemning. But what happens is sometimes we get this idea that we need to prove, I want you to see my side. I want you to understand there's a balance, okay? I don't, this morning my message on abortion and on God being the creator, I don't want you to see my side and see that I'm right, although I am. Just pay attention for a second. I want you to see what God says. When we turn it to us and what we're trying to do, we, got, we need to watch our attitudes. Jesus was full of grace and truth. How did he handle the sinners that he dealt with? You stupid sinner, get out of my face. He never did that. Go and sin no more. Your sins are forgiven. And he handled it gracefully and handled it with truth. 
We need to watch our attitudes. Number three, we need to balance our prophetic and priestly roles as believers. Say, what do you mean? We need to speak out against moral concerns in our society. But we must also offer love and compassion to those who need help. We need to remember this. Are you ready? Our primary biblical call, and this will help all Christians. Pay attention to what I say right here, okay? Our primary biblical call is to make disciples, not win arguments. You remember, you'll, no, you'll remember a lot in this sermon. Those videos will not get out of your mind anytime soon. I'm not called to win arguments. I'm called to get disciples to follow Jesus. Remember that. Number four, we must be sensitive and non-judgmental towards those who have had abortions and towards those who have encouraged abortions like boyfriends or husbands or parents. So Why? Probably in this room this morning, there's probably someone who has had an abortion. Watching those videos, knowing where God stands on it, rips at their soul this morning in their heart. It, God judges and takes care of things. It's our job to encourage and to help. You realize you can't go back and change it. You cannot go back and change what you've done in your life to this point. You can't. Man, if I could, there are several things I'd go back. If I could have that time machine and back to the future, there are times I'd go back and change a few things that I did. I can't. Neither can you. And what you've got to understand is this. I've been around several and know people in our church that have had abortions. There's a certain month, week or so, Every year, that's just an awful week for them. Because that would have been their child's birthday. And they beat themselves up about it. It's not your job to beat them up. It's your job to encourage them. And I want you to know something this morning. If that's happened with you, you're loved here. And God loves you. And I'm glad that God doesn't remember our sin. That as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed our transgressions from us. And he's chosen to blot them out. He forgot yesterday's sins. He's going to forget today's sins. And he's going to forget tomorrow's sins. Now, that doesn't mean live in sin. But thank God he doesn't. He said, well, why do I keep being reminded? Because there's an accuser of the brethren. His name's the devil. And he wants to remind you and throw it in your face. So well, I'm a hypocrite. To stay. You're not a hypocrite. You know better now. Do what's right today. Live for God today. Be sensitive with those. And it's, and it's important. And then number five. And lastly, before God, we must determine what our response will be. Before God. Let me put this little plug out there. Before God, you need to determine what you're going to vote for and who. I don't think you can, and those pastors, shame on them be a pro-life pastor and say they'd vote the way that they would. So you can say that, I said it. Say, I don't like that, I don't care if you don't like it, I don't like abortion either. Do I love everything about the other candidate? No. But do I love everything that I look at in the mirror in the morning? Well, yeah, this face is pretty good, but no, um, there are lots of things I don't like about myself. And if we're going to vote the perfect man in office, then no one's ever going to be it. But biblical values count. I have a $20 bill here today. How many of you in this room would say you would like the $20 bill? Let's be honest. Who would say, 20 bucks? Sure, I'll take 20 bucks. Would you raise your hand? I, so there's a few of you. Louie, you don't want any money? You, come on, Dodger fan. Raise your hand up. You need to drown your sorrows after that loss last night. I've never seen anything quite like that last night. Thought, poor Louie, I hope he comes to church after the Dodgers lost the way they did. But I think everyone would say they would take this $20, right? Let me ask you a few questions. If I crumple it up like this, who still wants it? Anybody still want the 20 bucks? I'm not going to stick it in my mouth. <laughs> we have COVID nowadays. Not gonna, let's say I stuck it in my mouth. Who would still take it? You would still take it. If I took it outside and rolled it around in the dirt, would you still take it? Yeah. If I went in the bathroom and dropped it in there on accident, 
You wouldn't take the 20 bucks? Wash and just rinse it off. It's right off. Thing is, 20 bucks. Why would you want 20 bucks? Because it's got value to it. Think about this. We feel, you think about as, we, as I close here, we look at life. Many times we're dropped, we're crumbled, we hit the ground and get dirty by the decisions we make and the circumstances that come our way. We feel as though we're worthless, but no matter what happens or what will happen, just as this doesn't really lose its value to you, you never lose value in God's eyes. And He is our creator, and to Him, dirty or clean, crumbled or finely creased, you are priceless. You're valuable to Him. The worth of our lives comes not from what we do or who we are, but whose we are. All life matters because we have an awesome God that before we were ever born took us and formed us and had a plan for us. Let me ask you this question today. I hear sometimes, look at our political climate around us. Couldn't we have a better choice? I wonder if all the babies in this world, or in America, weren't aborted over all these years. I wonder what great preacher that could have led some revival has been aborted. What great president that would lead America back to God has been aborted. I wonder. Because every life, God has a plan for. So if God has a plan, then he's going he's gonna to make it so they aren't aborted. Um, I forgot something. We have this thing called free will. And I think, according to what we read, it's never God's plan for pregnancy to be terminated the way we saw it today. Now, we do see miscarriages happen and things do happen. But God is the author and the giver of life. Let's leave it in his hands, 